0: It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors, Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and
1: Josh Gregory. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies.
2: Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Great time to do that, the beginning of a year. Welcome to 2020. Here with me in the KFG studios, Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn.
0: <laughs> and we're glad to be here, yeah. Mike. Thanks for uh, having us. So the start of a new year is a great time to update your budget. And that said, we're going to challenge you to a higher level of a budget by teaching and helping you create a spending plan. And it's something we call the three bank account system. All right. We've got some great questions
2: that we're going to be hitting in the second half of the program. In fact, um, we've got uh, auto owners insurance as a special segment sponsor today. I have a great question about whether you should have life insurance along with your uh, the rest of your home and auto insurance and what that does for you. So we've got that coming up. If you have a question for us that we can hit on the show, we'd love to hear from you. Or if you ne- just need help, reach out to us as well. You can find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. You can also call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. And then all over social media, wherever you're at, we're there too. Just search The Wise Money Show, Facebook, and YouTube, of course, Twitter. and We're right there, so you can submit questions that way as well. Well, speaking of YouTube, so if you follow The Wise Money Show on the YouTube channel, I hope you do. Um, you may be familiar with a new uh, video series that we've started, oh, a few months ago called Your Next Wise Step. And it's basically just a vlog, a deep dive into one thing that's actionable in your life. Well, um, two of them apply to what we're going to talk about today. And the first is um, recently uh, we had a Next Wise Step about how to prepare for the next recession. So if if you're interested in that, be sure to check us out on the YouTube channel. Just search The Wise Money Show. But I lay out six things that you need to do if we knew a recession was going to come in the next 12 months. What do you need to do right now to get prepared? And I'll tell you, the first one is you need to have a budget. Hmm. And as boring as that sounds, if you knew a storm was coming, you need to know where you stand today, right? So you you need a budget in place.
1: I, you know what I hear most commonly this time of year are people coming in and I ask them how the holidays were and and first words out of mouth, we need to get on a budget. <laughs> Not <laughs> like shell shock. Maybe we went a little too far on our spending over the past month or See, two. But... I
2: hear we need to get on a diet. Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> However, the holidays we need to get on. Okay, so, but it's natural this time of year, just like Josh mentioned, um, to think of a budget. But if, if you're just going by the words that I said, that you need a budget or you need to update your budget, you're probably going to do it wrong because just having a budget is not sufficient you need a full spending plan in fact i think the very first or maybe the second next y step video is how i said all budgets are wrong because it's just a budget and it's not synchronized with your entire financial life what i'm talking about the type of spending plan you need we call the three bank account system. We're going to explain that today so that whatever your primary aim is, whatever your goals are for 2020, you've got the right cash management system, the right monthly spending plan to help you reach those goals. So let's talk about that first bank account. What is it? Explain it.
1: Well, we refer to the first bank account as the immediate spending account. And you can think of this, it's usually a checking account that by its nature, banks and credit unions offer these as a transactional tool, right? It's it's money that comes into your hands and goes right back out in the same month. And that's why we refer to it as an immediate spending account. It's meant to cover the regularly re- reoccurring expenses that happen every single month. And this is really important to have a, a dedicated account for this. Because many people, they'll only have a checking account. Mm -hmm. They'll only have um, this one vehicle to try to serve many purposes. But have you ever tried to save money in a checking account? I mean, it it does not work. It's just, it's too easy to, to access the money. I mean, you can go to the ATM, you can use the debit card, you can write checks, you can do stuff online. There's just they make it easy for the money to leave. And that's kind of the point, right? Mm-hmm. You want easy transactions on the stuff that happens every single month.
2: So this is where, you know, the conventional idea out there of a budget, it's really, it's, the budget is most appropriate in this first this first bank account you're checking. And that's why I say all budgets stink or, or are wrong is because mostly they're just looking at this first bank account. How much money's coming in every single month and then how much money is going out every single month into what categories. But that's really just one of the three things that you need to track. And,
1: and it's it's the one that most people have the best success with, though, yeah. too, right? Th- those expenses that hit every single month, you know them by name. You could probably, as I'm talking, rattle off a list right now and maybe even quantify how much you spend on all the utilities and the mortgage and stuff like that. So it's it's not the monthly expenses that – that hurt most people, it's actually the non-monthly expenses, which leads us to the second bank account.
2: But before we get there, one one best practice, or I guess that I would have, and I don't know if you guys have have some as well that you can share, but a best practice as you're mapping out this immediate spending account is, I, number one, make sure income is direct deposit. That just reduces friction and, and so on. So having money direct deposit in, but then two... I, as you're looking at your regular monthly expenses, I like to categorize mine. I think, Josh, you like to categorize between needs and wants. I like to categorize between fixed and variable. The fixed ones are the obligations. You've got to pay your mortgage every month. you got to pay rent every month. you got to pay your, your car loan every single month. So if there's an adjustment in income, you're still – obligated to those fixed expenses. But the variable ones are the ones that you have some discretion over. So going to the grocery store, you're going to do that every week or every month or every day, um, right? And But you have some choice as to you know whether you're getting the cheap chips or the Tostitos, right? You've got some variants in there. And so those are the areas that you can really pinch and adjust and so on. So that'd be a suggestion that I would have.
1: I, you know, I I personally think that it's important that you not have your entire paycheck direct deposited into this one account and we'll explain why in a moment but if this account exists to have money go in and back out do you want all of your money going in and back out in the month there's mm-hmm. some of it that needs to be captured for these non-monthly expenses that we'll get to and if you're asking how how to not do it
0: you know we're talking about categorizing between needs and wants or fixed and variable um, I found that the folks that have the most difficulty in their marriage are the ones that categorize the expenses between his and hers. Uh, <laughs> that
1: that's that, right. Good observation. I,
2: I also like like broad categories of expenses, so that when you go to Meyer or you go to Walmart or even you know going to Martins and you say, well, some of this was for the house and some of this was grocery, some of this was shopping, eh, just lump it all together to try and reduce the friction. All right, so. That's the first bank account, immediate spending. If you were to ask me, hey, Mike, in nearly a decade of financial planning and and working with some pretty amazing folks, what's the one thing that you've seen improve the most financial lives? It would be this second account. For sure. Which we call delayed spending.
1: Yep, I, I agree completely. This is, uh, so so bucket number two or bank account number two, as Mike said, the delayed spending account It exists for the sole purpose of building up resources for expenses that don't come around every single month. So non-monthly expenses, we often think of these as lump sum expenses, they're big ticket items often, or maybe they're just sporadic, maybe they're seasonal types of things. You know, we just came through the, the holiday season, so Christmas is a great example of this. It happens every single year on the same date, and yet it catches people by surprise or unprepared because they're not saving up a little bit each month to be able to cover that large uh, outflow of cash once a year. Same thing with things like car repairs or vacations. Maybe it's clothing that you buy uh, certain seasons out of the year. And uh, these are types of expenses that you know you're going to spend money on. It's just not going to be every single month. But we just got done saying that those monthly expenses are the ones that everyone handles just fine. Mm-hmm. So, bucket number two or bank account number two is there to help you turn these sporadic expenses, these lump sums, into a bite-sized piece that is manageable and predictable.
2: If I were to say, you know, ask you what's the one thing that causes most people to go into credit card debt, I I don't think I would say they lost their job or there was some emergency. I think it would be. Well, a delayed expense item came up, and I didn't have the money.
1: Right. And listen, yeah.
2: when 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 they tell me that I need a car repair, I got I've got to fix my car. Mm-hmm. I've got to get around. When I need new tires, I, I'm gonna use the credit card. When we're way overdue on a vacation and there's there's marital strife or whatever, we're gonna go right whether we've got the money or not. So all right, so more tips. There's a lot of best practices we've seen with implementing this delayed spending. So we've got that and more coming up here on the Wise Money Show with Corehorn Financial Group.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
2: Do you have some financial goals that you're trying to achieve for 2020? Is your financial life set up to help you achieve those? That's what we're talking about today. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Thank you to the attorneys at South Bank Legal as well as First State Bank for sponsoring the content of The Wise Money Show. Thank you very much. Speaking of that content, to stay up to speed on everything Wise Money, you'll find us online at wisemoneyshow.com mon- wise and then all of our social media, wherever you're at, where they're to just search The Wise Money Show. Okay, we're talking about having a spending plan. That's not a budget. A budget just accounts for money coming in, money going out, and like Josh said, most of us, that's, that's pretty easy, actually, and can often be automated. But a full spending plan has three bank accounts. We call it the three bank account system. And really, that's the way that your finances need to be structured for you to go after whatever you're trying to achieve in 2020, whether that's paying down debt, building up an emergency fund, helping save for college for a child or grandchild, save more for retirement, buy the hot tub, whatever it is. You've got to have this foundation, right? So, the first bank account is your immediate spending. That's a checking account. Money's coming in, money's going out. And hopefully, you have documented that in a budget. You know how much is coming in and where it's going. But the second bank account's the magic. And this is where you have expenses that some are needs, some are wants. Josh, when you, as, as you laid this out, Years ago, you help people categorize based on needs versus wants. And that's important in this delayed spending. But there are, just because the expense doesn't come up every single month, there are some that are still needs right? that you've got to plan for. So what are the best practices in accomplishing and, and using this second bank account, the delayed spending account?
1: Well, I think, uh, first of all, I mean, we, we coach people to walk through a worksheet to to try to brainstorm all the types of things that you may be spending money on on a regular basis, but not an every month basis. So things that maybe are two years out or one year out, but that they will be recurring in a permanent part of your life. So I'm drawing a distinction between some of the things that maybe we talked about on the show last week when we were talking about setting financial goals. There are some goals that you're going to save up for, you're gonna devote some resources to, and someday you will check it off the list and it is done. I often hear people say, when when we're um, building a list of their goals, they say, well, I wanna go on vacation, because it's been a while. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I encourage them to treat that as a budgeting item, as a delayed spending item, because when you go on that vacation, you're never going to you can mark that vacation done but you're not done going on vacations right this is a this is a regular part of many people's lives they want travel to be a big part of what they they're funding on an ongoing basis so uh in that regard this needs to be something that you are saving up for forever
2: so you've got to have that list i mean josh said we often have people work through a checklist or or a worksheet i mean vacations is one that yes a vacation is done but vacations are still in your future, at least hopefully. Christmas, of course, or, or gifts for birthdays and anniversaries, those sorts of things. Car repair, new vehicles. I mean, this if you've ever thought, well, I'd love to pay cash for a vehicle, that'll never happen. You know, only the 1% or the 1% of the 1% can do that. No, no, no. You just implement the system. Um Paying for some insurances. We've got a special sponsor later in the program. Auto owners paying for some insurance. Oftentimes, the cheapest way to do it is write one check. Right. Well, how do you do
0: that? Well, you save up for it in advance. And property tax. Yeah. Property tax will sneak up on you. Some people have it escrowed, and so it just it gets paid automatically when they make their mortgage payment. But if you don't have a mortgage, or if you elected to not escrow, that that payment is coming. So two big tips
2: that I would have that I've just seen people, they've lit, they've just really gotten excited as we've shared this vision. And then it has uh, been, you know, it crashed on the rocks because they didn't put the money in a separate bank account. They thought, well, I can just do this within my checking. No, no, no. It's just, it's not tangible. It's just all right there. It's messy. Okay. It's got to be in a separate account. Two, and this is the biggie. They didn't automate their savings. So earlier in the first segment, if you were listening, Josh uh, was wrong when he said you shouldn't have your mm-hmm. entire paycheck direct deposited into your checking. Now he was actually right. But for me, if it is just all direct deposited into your checking, you have to have an automatic saving that happens right after that. Yeah. So every single week, I've got money that comes right out of that checking account goes directly into my delayed spending automatically. I don't need to think about it. It happens automatically. The the
1: point is, is there is a right amount that you should be saving into this delayed spending account. By the way, the reason we call it a delayed spending account, as opposed to just a savings account, is delayed spending has a purpose to it. And a savings account is just an accumulation type vehicle. We are talking about a savings account at the bank quite often, or a money market fund, something that's built to accumulate money and maybe pay you a little bit of interest. But the reason psychologically we call it by a different name than just savings is because many people feel defeated when they have to pull money back out of the savings for something that they had planned up for, right? When the car breaks down and you got to put new brakes in it or, or fix something in the engine and you feel like, oh, no, our savings dropped. What a loss. They really should be celebrating the fact that they had planned ahead. They know that cars break down. They know they need to be accumulating money for it so that when they have a car crisis, they don't also have a financial crisis. So we call it delayed spending because this is just a temporary stopping point, an accumulation point, so that when these expenses that are out on the horizon are suddenly on your doorstep and you're facing them and have to come up with the money, you've already got it because you planned far in advance. It's one of the reasons why in, in the last segment, Mike, you said... When people don't have a plan for these types of items, they have to rely either on debt or cashing in some sort of long-term asset. And it's one of the reasons why we often refer to this also as the debt prevention account. Yep. It's you planning ahead for things that otherwise might result in debt. That's right. If you
2: are thinking, well, yeah, th- this is maybe a missing ingredient, you've, you've got to work with your certified financial planner because if you don't have a comprehensive list of all of those potential expenses, and then when you add all that up and you, you look and you say, oh my goodness, I need to put $5,000 a month in this delayed spending to, this doesn't fit, then you need to know what, what the trade-offs are and where to adjust so that it can all fit.
1: One, one more comment here too. You think about for some people it literally might be five thousand dollars a month that they need to be accumulating for all these delayed spending items. For others, it might be a thousand or two thousand. Whatever it is, if you're saving up for some long term expenses that aren't gonna be around for for quite some time, like replacing a car, you can accumulate a lot of money in this account. Mm. And it may become a temptation to you at some point where you, you say, hey you know what? We've got $12,000 built up in this account. Surely we could afford to go take a really big, cool vacation this year. Disney, here we come, right? But unless you have earmarked all of those dollars for specific categories, you won't know whether or not you're actually spending the clothing fund on Disney tickets, right? Mm -hmm. Or maybe you just spent the car repair fund um, on new landscaping in the backyard, so as you're accumulating money, you need to agree upon, well, what is this for? Don't just think of it as a purposeless or an unnamed pool of money that you can just dip into anytime you want. Because that $12,000
0: could start to look like a zero-turn mower because those are on sale <laughs> this time of the year.
2: Well, the, the other just to add on to what Josh said, and this might be overkill for some of you, but it's best practice, something to consider, is for those... Um, for those long – for any perennials, um, things that – like stuff that is small and it's going to happen every single year and so on, I lump that all into one delayed spending. Um, but anything that's going to take several years, I actually have into a separate delayed spending account. So if you were look at mine and we eat our own cooking here, all the advisors at KFG, any advice we give, we're doing it ourselves, um, you – you're going to see a new car fund. And that's a separate account because I like to just keep that earmarked separate. Uh, A home repair fund, a eh, Disney fund. (laughs) It actually isn't even called vacation. It is called Disney. So anything that's big ticket that's going to take several years and accumulate, I would consider just earmarking, having it separate so you have visibility. What's the third bank account? You probably already know. I'm going to elevate your thinking on what that is and how you get there. And then how do you put all this together? We've got that and more coming up here on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
2: have a budget or do you have a spending plan? I would argue if you're just using a budget, you're doing it wrong. All right. And we're helping you do it right today. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks so much for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. I want to say thank you to Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett with the Inspired Homes team for making the Wise Money Show possible. Thank you very much. If you're not following us on the YouTube channel, I'd encourage you to do so. You'll find us there. Just search The Wise Money Show. Make sure you subscribe to it and turn the notifications on so that you're up to speed every time we drop an episode like this or some announcements or a recap or a Next Wise Step video. And uh, you can leave comments there and share easily. So follow us there. Just search The Wise Money Show on YouTube all right we talked about how just having a budget is not sufficient if you have some financial goals for 2020 you want to achieve you need to have a full bank account plan a spending plan we call that three bank account system first is for immediate spending that's a checking account second is for delayed spending expenses that don't happen every single month but that you know are coming in the future and you're saving up for those That's usually a savings account or money market. Truth be told, I think I have seven of those. Seven separate accounts just so the money is earmarked. The third bank account, I'm going to challenge your thinking on this. The third bank account is an emergency fund. And it's there for emergencies. But let me ask you a question. If you found out you needed a big car repair, and your emergency fund is funded, how do you feel? If you found out that there were gonna be layoffs at work and your emergency fund is funded, how do you feel? If you and your wife find out you're having a baby and your emergency fund is funded, how do you feel? The truth is, when life comes at you or when you wanna go at it, having an emergency fund stocked and ready to go, you have confidence. So I would reframe this to being a financial confidence account instead of just an emergency fund, because that's what it delivers. It delivers confidence. If you if that thing is empty, you go and face real life, and you have worry, maybe anxiety. So.
1: Yep, you're, you're exactly right. And you know we define these emergencies as major, significant home repairs, or major, significant car repairs, major, significant health concerns. Um, a death in the family, that kind of thing. These are like a, a whole nother scale of expense compared to the ones that we were talking about before. You know, it's not just the car needs new brakes. You should be planning for those, because or or new tires, new tires, right? Yeah. It, it, the tires are going to wear out, so start saving into bucket number two for that. But you don't expect to have to get a new transmission, right? You're you're counting on that to last the full life of the vehicle, and maybe it's just too young for this thing to be having the problems that it is. You have an emergency fund for that. But what I've found is um, most people don't tap into their emergency fund very frequently at all if they have bucket number two working properly for them.
2: Yeah, you, you redefine what an emergency actually is when you're really doing bucket number two and you have a full spending plan built out.
1: That's right. You know, a a car with 180,000 miles on it dies on you. Do you have an emergency? Or really, is this just an event that we all knew was coming? We didn't know exactly how many miles or what year it was going to occur, but obviously that vehicle was not going to run forever. So in the delayed spending account, have you been accumulating money for a car replacement? It's Cars are often one of the things that create strain in people's financial lives. They can get behind the eight ball financially, and cars often keep them there because they're not planning ahead for the repairs or the replacements. And so they have to fall to the emergency fund. My hope is that you never have to tap into the emergency fund. And instead, it stays there for the granddaddy of all emergencies, which is the interruption to your income. If, for some reason, you lost your job because of downsizing or disability or or something where the paycheck that you once believed was stable and sustainable suddenly isn't if If you have to float the family using cash because the the income has stopped temporarily, how long could the family function based on the cash that you have in? in the emergency spending plan.
0: Yeah, a couple points there, Josh. If, so if, you have a, if you're if you driving a car, you should be saving 100 bucks a month for repairs. Just put that in the delayed spending. That is to fix my car. And you might not have an expense of $100 a month, but 18 months from now, it's very possible you have an $1,800 expense. So when you look at the delayed spending, and this is why declaring and giving leadership to your financial life is so important, because I was working... Uh, with my son Joshua on this, and I said, Joshua, you need to save a hundred dollars a month for repairs, but you also need to be saving a couple hundred bucks a month to replace this car, because yeah. this car is not going to last forever. And he had a, a, an interesting story about the emergency fund. He's in the U.S. Army, and there were uh, talks in November about the possibility of the government shutting down, and. And, you know, the scare tactics and everything else. And, okay, if the government shuts down, then the military is not going to get paid. And so there, he was with a bunch of guys, and he has a fully funded emergency fund. But there were a lot of guys saying, well, wait a minute. If I don't get my paycheck, I can't buy my plane ticket to go home like I was planning on doing over Christmas for leave. And, I, mm. and they started looking at all of the things that they couldn't do because— they were a statistic. And statistically, um, most folks, if they have an expense of $400 or more, they're wrecked, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, so right. I would say don't be a statistic.
2: So how much to have in your emergency fund? That depends on your overall financial plan and your personal financial situation. Now, there are rules of thumb out there that you might have uh, misinterpreted as advice, um, it's just information rules of thumb, three to six months of your budget or your spending or, or whatever it is. But really, I, I like to set a floor and then you set you, you set that goal and then you take the stairs there. Because saving $25 a month isn't going to get you to your emergency fund. Hmm. It's, oh, I, I got a tax refund I really wasn't planning on or well, I got this bonus or whatever. And so the floor, I like the idea of having $1,000 or so. And then but that goal needs to be based on your overall situation. It really does. I mean and and um then pick a round number and then set some targets as to when you think you can get there with some pennies from heaven, with some chunks of dollars.
1: That's right. And I would refer back to the first two bank accounts when trying to set the goal for the third bank account. We said that the uh the first bank account is your immediate spending and the second is your delayed spending that's monthly versus non-monthly expenses both of these combined the expenses that come out of these accounts really make up all of your lifestyle or your spending as a family so it's not just you know we we often ask people hey well, how much does your family spend uh, in a typical month and they will rattle off the monthly expenses that are predictable and they'll forget the non-monthly expenses that only happen once a year. Those count too. Those are part of your lifestyle and and often part of the obligations that you're gonna be facing at some point. So if you were gonna use a rule of thumb, like three to six months worth of your living expenses, count all of those living expenses, not just the monthly bills that come in. Okay, so how do you put this all together? And
2: and, um, mint, isn't going to put this together for you. That's where I say all budgets are are wrong. Um, You've got to start with your certified financial planner and looking at this in the context context of your entire financial life. Sometimes you map all this stuff out and there's not enough income to get you through the entire month if you're funding delayed spending. So you've got to have some trade-offs. You might need to tweak your tax withholdings. You might need to make some short-term sacrifices to get some debt out of the way so that you can save up. And so it's got to be harnessed
1: within your overall financial plan. And I love the word that you used there. You said trade-offs. That is a financial planning word if I've ever heard one before. It's you deciding, yeah, which resources are you going to direct to the things that you prioritize most, whether those are goals or just normal lifestyle spending decisions the trade offs are if i choose this i can't also have that there's not enough money to cover everything that we could possibly dream up let's make sure you're picking the right things
0: and i'd be thinking in terms of do i have an income problem or an expense problem or yeah.
2: just an organization prog- problem right and and get the right organization so that you can see really what's going on mm-hmm. so All right. We've got some great questions from fans of the show coming up. So that and more coming up here on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group.
1: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies.
2: Thanks for being with us today. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. I want to thank our sponsor of this segment, Auto Owners Insurance and you might recognize them. They're big sponsors in uh, Big Big Ten Network and football and so on, and they're sponsoring the uh, this segment today. If you've missed anything, I'd refer you to the YouTube channel, but I'd also refer you to the podcast. If you listen to podcasts while you're out and about, maybe shopping, you want to drown out the noise, you can get some financial wisdom at the same time. You'll find The Wise Money Show wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search that, The Wise Money Show. Subscribe to it, rate the show, and leave comments as well. Appreciate it. All right. So we've got a special segment here sponsored by Auto Owners Insurance. And the first question comes from fan of the show, Ryan. He's 44 from Portage, Michigan. My insurance agent recommended I buy a life insurance policy. And they actually said that will help my auto insurance premiums go down. Is that true? I think he was just trying to sell me something that I don't really need. Good question, Ryan.
1: That that is a good question. I actually just <laughs> I just reached into my bag and pulled out my life insurance policy that is tied to my home and auto insurance. Yeah. So this exact situation I have faced just recently. I have I've been meaning to take this home and file it away. And here it is in my hands. Josh, it, that says 2016.
0: <laughs> no, doesn't, doesn't everyone have their life kidding. insurance policy in their satchel? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I have
1: an organization problem oh, here. Oh. Inspector Gadget <laughs> over here. Okay, so so No, so so I'm speaking from experience here, right? So you know, Ryan maybe you're feeling a little suspicious like, oh, is my insurance agent just trying to upsell me here? Just trying to get me to buy a little bit more. Do I really need it, and is it a good deal um, for me? Um, and, and I happen to have my home and auto insurance with auto owners, so um, you not know, I, not a setup, folks. No, that's, that's not. I that's just who happens to be the right company for my family where we live and so on. But um, but with auto owners, for example, and and I think this is true with others as well. Often they have life insurance policies that you can get really really cheap they're not huge policies Mm -hmm. this is a ten thousand dollar policy you know it might help pay for a burial or something but the premium is so low and the discounts that i happen to get for having this extra policy because many insurance companies offer you uh, uh, multi-policy discount. So if you have more than one type of insurance with them, they reward you for your loyalty in, in a sense. And for me, by adding this additional policy on top of my homeowners, on top of my car, on top of my umbrella, it gave me another discount that more than paid for the life insurance itself.
2: So I, I would, uh, from a financial planning perspective. We often say that your certified financial planner should bring you clarity, confidence, and creativity. So this type of idea is that creative part. Um, But I would also tell you from a financial planning perspective that typically those policies aren't really what's covering this risk. This is not your full protection plan, getting a small life insurance policy to bolt onto your home and auto to get that multi-multi-policy discount. But oftentimes... Yeah, a small policy or a policy on one of the kids or something like that can actually give you another discount that's lower than the
0: additional premium, and therefore your cost goes down. Yeah, Ryan, I I would have – that's a great question. I would have a couple words for you. Number one is it sounds like your insurance agent isn't a trusted advisor. And so I I would want to make sure when you look at assembling your team of financial professionals – Your insurance advisor, your tax advisor, your investment advisor are all coordinated with your certified financial planner so that it's all happening within the context of your financial life. Which we call
2: one plan, getting all those financial professionals that might have different agendas all working on the same sheet of music.
0: And most people don't have a, a situation where all their various professionals are talking with their certified financial planner. That's why we we designed and built Corehorn Financial Group specifically to have all those professionals under one roof so that it's easy for those professionals to talk to each other. Now, I would actually give your agent the benefit of the doubt because, <clears throat> excuse me, As we've been mentioning, if you pay a total in your household, you pay premiums of $2,000 for your house, a couple of cars, maybe some toys, whatever else. You've got everything insured and you're paying $2,000 of premium. A company like Auto Owners will typically give you a discount of about 5%. So if you were paying $2,000, a 5% discount. Yep.
1: You're doing uh, the math.
0: <laughs> Don't no, do the math, Kevin. I'm not doing the math. Oh, okay. It's 100 bucks. Right. Oh. So so that 100 bucks <laughs> That's called you, doing the math. <laughs> so it, so that that 100 bucks you say, "Well, what will that $100 give me?" Because it here's here's the good news. At the end of the day, Ryan, you can get a small life insurance policy on yourself. You can get one on your kids. Um, one of the reasons why you might want to do it on your kids is you lock in some sort of insurability. If you're getting one on your younger kids that is locking in that insurability, it, you'd have some guaranteed purchase options in the future that would let them buy more, even in the event that they had some sort of a health event. Yeah. So it can make sense. And sometimes I've seen it where it's grandparents and they say, listen, that $100 bucks is not going to buy me anything. But I have a grandchild. I'll put it. I'll. I'll buy that. I'll take that hundred bucks, and spend it on a policy for my child. So I had two thousand dollars for my home, auto, and other things, and I've got this hundred dollar credit. At the end of the day, my out of pocket is only two thousand. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So great question. It it is
2: possible. Make sure it's all wrapped together in the context of your overall financial plan, which we call one plan. Next question. Fan of the show, Rick, he's 50 from Niles, sent in, hey, how do I know if I need an umbrella policy? Uh, that's a financial
1: planning question if I've ever heard one. It, it really is. And I'm glad that you're even, you even have this on your radar screen because a lot of people don't even know what the umbrella policy is and, and what it does for them. Protect your but, umbrellas. That's right. That's right. Well as yeah, Simple as that. Okay.
2: I heard a comedian once say that there's four umbrellas ever made and they're just sort of circling around and people use them and then they lose them and then someone else picks it up. and <laughs> It's pretty funny actually. And May not have been really funny good. when I just brought it up, but it was funny when they did.
0: Situational humor, Mike. <laughs> okay. I'm sure if you were there, it <laughs> <That's> was <right. laughs> a downright belly splitter, That's right. knee slapper.
1: So, so think about this: you're you're driving your vehicle. Maybe you're driving right now. You slide through the wrong stop sign and you hit the wrong individual, and they are injured, um, maybe worse, maybe killed in an accident or something. I mean, these things tragically happen. You. As the driver of the vehicle uh, that caused the damage, caused the harm, are liable for that, right? Um, this is potential lawsuit essentially. Now you hope that you have enough car insurance to cover whatever damages were done, but boy, you know you, you hit some young professional or something who has their whole life ahead of them, and that income is lost for their family. Um, you, you do the math on that. Most people couldn't possibly have the right amount of car insurance to cover that type of a risk. So what they have, a policy that layers over top of the car insurance, it also layers over top of your homeowner's insurance liability, is something called an umbrella policy. And it just gives you an extra, could be an extra million dollars, could be two million, three million, whatever it is, it's an extra sum of money to protect you against the suits that come your way. Um, it even, if it's written well, can even protect you if you're the victim of the accident and that other driver didn't have the right amount of insurance.
2: So really quickly, how do you know if you need it?
0: Um, if you have anything to insure, you need it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it the thing is, it's incredibly cheap. You, the underlying limits, the, the basic insurance is expensive, the umbrella that layers over the top, as Josh was saying, that's incredibly inexpensive. Yeah. So young professional, you've got assets to protect or... Youthful drivers. Or youthful drivers. What if
1: it's that's not right? you that causes that accident? It's your 16-year-old son or daughter that's still learning how to drive? Or
2: your college student who lent the keys to their roommate and maybe isn't a good risk. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have a
0: pool. I live on a lake. I have a trampoline. I have a pit bull. I mean... Go on down the line.
1: It's an assessment of your risk, which should be done in the context of your financial plan. You you have to look at your overall financial life and make sure you have the right protections in place so the progress you're making right now stays progress. It's not a, a backward or downward spiral.
2: Thank you, Auto Owners Insurance, for sponsoring that segment. That is all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh, Kevin, and all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group.